you're rocking the, the jet green right now. Adam Sandler. Right. Number one, you were rich, Eisen. The second will be, I see Brad Hirschberg <laughs> being your father. Dennis Miller. The autumn wind is caused by global warming. <laughs> Uh, a legend in the booth, Jim Brockmire. I do love watching Tebow play. I mm-hmm. gotta say, he just he combines all the fiery leadership of Ray Lewis with the uh, with the throwing ability of Ray Lewis. <laughs> and uh... I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. Our humble host is on break this week as Rich is on a well-deserved vacation. Well-deserved? Yeah. So the inmates are running the uh, asylum here in podcast land. Yeah, that is correct. Do not adjust your dial. Rich has handed the keys over to his producers for the week, meaning that Chris Brockman and myself, Chris Law, will be steering the ship for the episode, just trying to avoid ruining two years of Rich's hard work, blood, sweat, and tears. All within the next hour or so. So, Brockman, what do you think? Can we get through this episode unscathed? I want to know if Rich wrote that for you or what, what he was paying you to actually say all that stuff about the blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, we, we know this is, his, this is his baby. He enjoys doing it. Yeah, it's absolutely. A lot of work into yeah, it. and you know what? Um, I know I'm pretty thankful to be along for the ride. I've had a, had a great time doing the TV show, putting the TV show together each week uh, since, since the beginning of the season. Uh, you've been on board much longer. And we were actually just talking about this. Uh, maybe not a lot of people know what kind of goes on behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. So with Rich, with Rich gone, obviously we, we are going to talk with Rich. Rich is involved heavily in this podcast. For he's, sure. Uh, he's a good 30-minute portion of it. So don't worry. You're going to get your, your Rich fix for sure. But we thought it could be interesting to maybe give you guys a little insight into the, uh, the behind the scenes. Pull down the, the cur- curtain, if you will. Um, Chris, you know, does the, does the TV portion of it for the most part each week working uh, some late edit shifts at night with uh, our great editor Paul Thurwachter correct Paul Thurwachter does a fantastic job uh, helping me out uh, each week put it together it's actually kind of fun to to kind of do it do a condensed version for television Um, it's funny because you know Rich kind of kind of laughs every week he gives me almost two hours of source material between maybe four or five different interviews uh our opens and our closes and to try to make that into a succinct 22 and a half minute program is very very difficult that flows that actually flows and makes sense and it's not too jumpy i'm sure there are some uh times out there where you can tell that it was a cut or something got left out but especially when we have when the guests are fantastic, such as you know Jim Brockmeyer or Alec Baldwin or Matt Damon, M- Mark Wahlberg, you know you want to get the stories in that you think people want to hear, Absolutely. and that I actually find interesting as well. And you know that's kind of the power that I wield. It's kind of like, what do I think's interesting? Yep. You know, I have conversations with Chris and Rich uh, throughout the course of my edit sessions, and uh, but but really it falls on me, and it's not a. It's not a responsibility I take lightly, and I have a great time, most importantly, kind of throwing it all together for you guys. It's definitely a blast. I think Chris and I uh, obviously know how how lucky we are to to work on this. It's a fun gig for both of us. It's it's work, but it's definitely fun. I've stepped into the TV role uh, a few times. I did the hour-long episode, and if if you think getting 22, 30 is hard down, try 44 minutes and 30 seconds, too. That's, That's definitely tough, but... Uh, we love the fa- the feedback you guys get. If you have any suggestions for either Chris or myself right. or stuff you want to see, give us uh, give us a tweet. Chris, where can they get you at? You can find me at Chris underscore Brockman, B-R-O-C-K-M-A-N. And uh, I'm at Topher Law, uh, T-O-P-H-E-R-L-A-W. No more Mary Palooza going on, correct? Uh, Mary Palooza was like a whirlwind. It kind of came in. 
we we rocked it for five days, and then we left town as quickly as she arrived. But uh, it was a fantastic time. I don't know if your parents have ever been out here to visit, but we talked about this earlier. Yep. You know, my mom, uh, that was her first time coming to Los Angeles, and I've been out here about two and a half years, and uh, she loved it. Not enough to, you know, where I could convince her to move out here from Maine, but uh, enough where she's definitely going to come back, I hope. Absolutely. So we do have a jam-packed edition of this uh, Rich Eisen podcast. As we said, Rich is our first guest. He's going to be joining us here very shortly on the phone. He's tapping out for the week. He's on vacation with the fam. I'm so, really curious as to what Rich is doing on an off week. What does Rich do on an like, off week? What does Rich Eisen do with some time off? Because it seems like he's always here. He's always on television. He's always on the yep. airwaves doing something. In fact, I heard him on... Uh, was he on Rome earlier? Did he do Rome? But the Sklar brothers were hosting nice. on Wednesday, and so Rich called in. They were great in uh, Entourage, too, Yeah, the, the, Sklar, the Sklar brothers. Yeah, so we're going to kind of pull down the curtain on that. We're going to flip the script on Rich a little bit. We're going to interview Rich, kind of have let you get that perspective of him from uh, his home life and what he's doing with his fam. Also on this edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast, we have a, uh, a Pro Bowler, Pro Bowl fullback from the Seattle Seahawks, Michael Robinson, is going to join us here in studio. Did he go to a specific college, Chris? Uh, I believe he went he to anywhere a, special? a Northeastern powerhouse football program. Powerhouse football known program. Known as uh, Penn State. No, uh, obviously we, we used our Penn State connections here. We brought Michael Robinson in. And uh, following that, the, the man of the week, the news, is all about Tebow. All about him. So we decided to phone up the beat writer for the New York Jets, Jenny Varentes, another good friend of the program. Uh, for the uh, New York Star ours. Ledger. For the New York Star Ledger, exactly. Excuse me. Uh, Jenny Varentes, she covers the Jets. She was at the Tim Tebow press conference on Monday. Who wasn't at the Tim Tebow Jeez, conference? I, I wasn't. I was here. That was, that was kind of nuts. But, man, um, oh, man. Well, uh, let's uh, let's get the man of the hour on the phone. Let's uh, let's give Rich a buzz and get him get him on here. What do you say? Let's do it. All right, let's uh, let's bring in now a, a longtime listener, first time caller to the Rich Eisen podcast. Uh, Rich, how you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Big big fan of your work. Excellent. Glad glad to hear. So you're tapping out this week on us, huh? I'm tapping out. <laughs> yeah. R R and R. But I I've, I've clearly left the podcast in capable hands. Um, you say we, we've got uh, we've got guests this week. We, we, we have guests this week. We, yes. We've done some of our own booking this week. We've branched out on our own to to, to, to book this show, and we got to give the people what they want, Rich. And, that, and that, that's just, that's just more more talk, more chatter, more, more Chris, more of us. Right, right. right. Okay. So so who do you who do you have? We have a Pro Bowler coming up following you. Oh, is that right? You yeah, got uh, you got Breeze. Uh, no, Drew Drew was unavailable this Breeze? week. Okay, um, hold on a minute. Let me let me, let me Brady. You got Brady. Uh, Rogers. Tom didn't. Got? Tom didn't need the podcast bump this week, so he no, denied no, the call. True. He didn't need that. We have uh, we have Michael Robinson, Seahawks fullback and uh, fellow Penn Stater, coming in studio. Oh, now I get it. There no. you go. You buried the lead on me. You bring uh, in a Penn Stater while the Wolverines away. Penn State will play. Is that what you're saying? That's that's pretty much how it goes. <laughs> I yes, should have worked exactly. the phones and got an orangeman in here. Is Donovan McNabb Dude, available? He's not working, about, right? How about um, Scott Hansen? Having to put, I thought I was bad enough with an Ohio University avatar for a week. What did, what did uh, Albert make him? Buckeye, he's, he's got, got a the Buckeye, Buckeye avatar for a week. Wow. Uh, the Ohio State University avatar for a week. I saw that bet. That's a pretty good bet to have that like with your disaster. buddies or something, though. You know, if, like, if you're out playing golf or doing whatever, you know, that's right. a good bet, like avatars. I would call that a disaster. Yeah. How, how did your Ohio State let, let me ask you this, Rich? How did your week go with the Ohio rep, rep in the O's? Always. It was terrible because people people were assuming after a while that I was an Ohio grad. So you had to constantly I'm, explain I'm, I'm, yourself. I'm wearing my Ohio Bobcat pride on my avatar. They thought so. I was getting people like 
uh, on Friday before they played North Carolina, good luck with your team right. tonight. I saw you retweet a few and of those. I, I basically had to say, all right, this needs a reset. Uh, I am not an Ohio University person. I lost a bet. It like made it worse. Right. To the point where on Thursday, uh, Peter King, who I lost, with whom I lost a bet, Peter, Peter King uh, released me. Right, he did. He was going to give you an out. He let you like, out with a week, with a day like early. Six, six days is enough. Because the problem is, is that uh, it was. It had to have been the most trafficked, the, hor- the week worst week for you ever on Twitter right. for the NFL right. that March will ever see. Right, right. We, we will never see last week again. No doubt about it. We'll never see uh, a free agent of Peyton Manning's caliber. Fourteen years into a Hall of Fame career with four years left to go. Number three on the all-time passing list, and we'll, we will never see that again. Or and, a, it, and a player with Tebow's hype getting traded correct. to the number one media market in and, all sports. And the sports. person who's sort of pulling the strings on all of this is number four on the all-time passing list. Right. Yep. We'll never see that again. And then, and then the Saints bomb dropped in the middle of all of it. Insane. And then, and then you know, just when you think it doesn't end, then comes Monday where there's a backup quarterback press conference in New York. That, that that puts Lynn's sanity to shame. And uh, owners are fighting amongst themselves because of the salary cap craziness that we don't really talk about because it's so confusing. Right. And and uh, uh, Sean Payton's showing up. And now there's rumors that he's... he's they're, they're, they might ask Bill Parcells to fill in for a year. Now he, Parcells said no, that, that, that's not what's happening. Oh, but, he did say no? Is that the latest? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, they, they, he's, um, I guess he was at spring training, and they, was, they, were, they asked him, have you been contacted about gotcha. that? He said no. So no big tuna in the Big Easy? You don't think that's going to happen? I mean, who knows, man. But the whole, whole thing is just it never ends. I mean... All of that stuff that we just talked about happened on March 26th. Well, Joe Horgan, a friend of the podcast, uh, said that if the tuna did take an interim job, he has to wait another five years to have Hall right. of Fame to, to be in the Hall. So you think that's well, enough I to know. keep him out, or I don't know if that matters. <laughs> that may I don't know if that's going to be what, matter. Never. What would Parcells get out of even coaching this year? What would, what would be in it last, for him? One last hurrah. Do you think he has that in him? I mean, yes, all coaches do, dude. Yeah, all of them. Mooch going on the road with Mooch. When we go to the Thursday night games with him, mm-hmm. we we were done with the pregame show, and certain places let us stay on the field. Uh, other places, you know, kick kick most of mo- most of us off because um, you know we're, we're, Mooch sometimes brings his kids or whatever. So, bottom line is that Mooch Mooch likes to stay on the field if the weather is good enough, and he's an Iron Mountain Michigan guy, so. Mm-hmm. He, it's always going to be pretty enough. bad for Mooch to go indoors. Right. Long story short, uh, like, for instance, the Steelers would not al- won't, won't, won't allow us on the sideline watching a game. Really? I, I don't know why. They just won't. Hmm. Other places, most places, they don't care. They don't want you to mess up that good turf there. It could, be, it could be. It could be. They don't want, it, <laughs> they don't want it to spread out. But, but, but the reason why I'm telling you this story is when Mooch is standing there watching the game, ball snapped, his, his hands are on his knees. He's bent over. He's standing at the line of scrimmage, moving around, fidgety, going up to the side judge, slapping him in the uh, on the shoulder like you know, like all those Mooch Gruden Reed types just going up and right. mixing it up. All these coaches. I mean, the it. bottom line: once a coach, always a coach. If you tell Parcells, you know, maybe listen. I don't want to speak for him. He probably enjoys being up in Saratoga watching the ponies and 
doing his thing and showing up on ESPN once a week and probably making some nice coin. But if you give him a shot, one more ch- chance with a team that's you know good enough to make the playoffs, let alone win a Super Bowl, right in New Orleans, right? I mean, they were so, they were on the doorstep of the Super Bowl last year. Why not? Why not give it one more try? I mean, that's what's believable about it. I don't know if it's going to happen. You know, all the, you, you got to just see all these things when you read with uh, when you read all these uh, articles, and these reports. Yeah. Yeah, you got to see how the the information men cover their butts, like league sources or sources say. But when you, when you read not not likely, it's like not going to happen. But they've got to leave that Michael Jordan percentage right. The ninety nine point nine. Yeah. So whenever you read that it's not likely, it's not going to happen. So if it's not if it's not the tuna, who who are you thinking? I don't know be. what their deal is going to be, but they, clearly they're thinking outside the box. Yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. Everything does <laughs> this time of year. Man, oh, man. It's you know like, you know, so, throw it against the so, wall, see what sticks. Yeah, so of all the weeks for me to have an Ohio avatar, last week was the worst one. Yeah. So I, because I'm doing a lot of tweeting, I'm not going to go and hide because I lost a bet. Of course. The Wolverine. I mean, there was no shame in losing to that Ohio team. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, though, Rich. I would have loved seeing Albert Breer with uh, Orangeman, an auto, an auto the Orange. And you kind of—he is just—he is just a child. Oh, he—he he is such a <laughs> honk like a for the Buckeyes. A honk. Every he's a six-year-old, like he's—he's he's tweeting out pictures of Fad Mata cutting down the nets, saying stuff like, <laughs> "What did what do he say that that—that's not Bayheim up there?" Right. He got—he got what Bollinger, whatever. Sullinger. Sullinger, whatever, yeah. up there cutting down the nets, and he's like, "That's not Fab Mello up there." She's Man. Like, Dude, dude, and Urban Meyer's the reason they won. And go home. Right, I'll tell you what, Rich, you did put Act me... like you've been there before. You did put me on the spot uh, Saturday morning. I did say, and follow that. Right, because I, I, I was playing in a golf tournament, so I really wasn't on the Twitter in the mor- oh. on Twitter in the morning. And so, you know, I finish up around 3 o'clock, and I'm, I'm going to head to the spot where they're having the, you know, the Hollywood Syracuse alumni gathering to, you know, I want to be among friends while I'm watching this course, game. Of course, you're... You're you're part of Young Hollywood, Chris. Uh, uh, that's true. Yeah, I know. And uh, so so I'm rolling over there, and I see this tweet. You know, you know, shouting. You're shouting attention to my timeline. So now I wasn't. I didn't have any plans to really live tweet the game because I knew how stressful I was going to be watching it. Well, I just figured you live tweeted your mother's visit. That, that's true. That it would be. That's true. Only standing to reason that you'd live tweet a Syracuse Ohio State final uh, eight game. You're right, and you know what? I just, I, I just assumed that. That that's not that's not a bad assumption on your part. Thank you. And so well, you I know, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. No, it's but... okay. It's okay. So I, I I figured I'd rise to the challenge and accept. Didn't get any responses from Albert, surprisingly. But I did my best to uh, to li- to li- <laughs> to live tweet the event, and unfortunately, yeah, uh, you know, the Buckeyes well, came out on the insufferable. If I ever complain about it, I sound like a Michigan guy just saying it just because he's an Ohio State guy. He's right. Just, even if I had no dog in the fight, he's insufferable. He's one of those guys that you just you just end up rooting against his team because you just want his comeuppance to be paid. <laughs> we were so close, too. We were so close. So also on this podcast, Albert Breer coming up later today. <laughs> we got, I mean, I we, we, tell you though, we I might as well get though, Albert it does, on. It does look like, just, and again, I, I shouldn't say these things because I'm, I'm not... I mean, I used to be when I was at ESPN, far more expert at it, and I don't. I hardly watched Syracuse basketball. Mm-hmm. It does look like Beheim rolls the balls out on the floor and just lets them play. Yeah, it sure does look like that. 
Yeah. I mean, hey, we're going to play 2-3 zone, and we're going to play best shot, take it. I mean, I did say, there. I do know some Ohio State fans, you know, who are not like Albert Breer. And I, you know, I, I, I communicate with them every now and then, certainly during big games. And I did say towards the end when they got really close and they were nervous, I'm like, don't worry, Syracuse is likely to do something undisciplined and dumb very soon. Absolutely. Normally, I don't mean to carp. No, it's okay. Normally, we miss big free throws or just take bad shots. And well, that's 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 that's, that's co- since that's since the Howard Trish days, right? Oh, exactly. That's since Beheim was a player. So, Rich, uh, Rick Pitino, Bill Self, Thad Mata, not on the podcast. Calipari, I'm telling on the you, podcast. Podcast bump, and they podcast look they bump. look they look like the most uh, uh, the most uh, worthy team to win it all. I got, so, so basically, the, the rule of this is I need to put in a call to the SU athletic department Dude, next year. If Kentucky wins all of it, we got to get him back in on. In all seriousness, though, we got to get him back on. In all seriousness, coach comes on, wins the Oscar for undefeated. Yes. Kalapari is the only college basketball coach I think that's ever been on any NFL network product. Any. Yeah. I can't imagine. I, I don't recall another college hoops guy coming on he comes on the podcast if he wins it all come on didn't tim, tim mcgraw Please. win a grammy or something we, we, we're doing uh, pretty... tim, oh, i mean he's just but he's he's won he's he's got he he's got his trophy a long time ago this is true this is true <laughs> no he, he he lives with one absolutely he so doesn't need a podcast there's some above the podcast bump and that would normally include tom brady right uh um, tom brady just needs a you know on the on the field every once in a while man i gotta tell you this is uh, although we you know we did have we never had we still haven't had Eli on still haven't this but technically true. we had Peyton on last week because we interviewed him uh, live so. that's true what did you see what uh, what Mara said um, about his his backup quarterbacks press conference I'm telling you the Giants love tweeting the Jets do you think the Giants are loving all this chaos that they seemingly it. is going they on with the Jets they love it they love it but no but <laughs> there's one person. Leaning back in his chair, arms behind his head, cigar lit up like Red Auerbach, and that's Bill Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way I viewed it. But that, hey, listen, with the Jets, it's just it's just Tannenbaum and, and Rex are perfect for each other because yeah. they seem to have same managerial styles, which is uh, mm. which is invite all comers, um, you know, go go with your gut, um, not sit back. Be aggressive, and to me, the the Rex predictions of the Super Bowl ring just as hollow as as Tannenbaum saying he has a plan, right? Which he told us on NFL at the podcast uh, at the yeah, combine, the combine yep. mm-hmm. which is what he said after Sanchez was signed to an extension, and he said the same thing after they got Tebow. We have a plan for. Him. What'd you make of Michael Lombardi saying that Sanchez should be you know acting like Drew Stanton after all this Tebow mess? Well, I mean, like what? Like he should demand a trade? Well, just be, you know, be upset, kind of voice like, "Hey, what's going How on can here?" He? I mean, the, the the Jets have the Jets are paying him, right? I mean, he's top third in the league in terms of quarterbacks being paid, which is again scratches your head why why you bring someone like Tebow in to play twenty snaps if there's let's just say there's eighty snaps in a game, which is a lot of snaps for a team, right? Yep. Let's even go down a set, but eighty is just easy for me. Or uh, sixty. Let's go sixty snaps. That means a third of the snaps would be handled by another quarterback. 
Name me another quarterback who's paid in the top third of the league where a team has no problem taking that quarterback off the field for a third of the snaps. It makes zero sense in that regard. Unless you're of the mindset that we're going to play defense and we're going to run it down your throat, and that's the way we're going to win football games in the NFL, and you can win playing that uh, in a league where most everybody's got a 4,000-yard passer. And I don't don't know how it's going to work. I mean, how will it work? Like, Tebow comes in in the second series, and he plays for one snap, and he throws an incomplete pass, and he comes out. Or he comes in, and part of the first 15 scripted plays, 8 through 12 are his, and then he comes out. He does well. Sanchez comes back in, and Sanchez doesn't do well. Do you bring Tebow back in? Sanchez does well. You bring Tebow in, and Tebow throws a pick. Why would you bring Tebow in? Right. This is just asking for a disaster. The the 20 to to be sort of a closer. Do you, when, how does this work? All with the New York media as the, as the, how does it work? I don't know how it works. What what do you, what'd you make a shot Khan coming out and saying uh, that he didn't want to play in Jacksonville? Apparently that's the case. And again, I mean, I, I, another thing I was tweeting back and forth with some of these Jaguar fans who a few weeks ago were like ripping ripping me, ripping you. Because I said, if Tebow comes available, Jacksonville has to kick the tires on him. Right. Well, you don't know our area. I mean, he's not technically from Jacksonville. He was homeschooled. He really go to school in Jacksonville. He just plays sports there. And he's, you know, we, we don't want him. We don't need him. Just because you think we have an attendance problem when we don't, that that would help. It wouldn't. Blah, blah, blah. Just here comes big, bad national media guys assuming something about their – Hamlet that that I shouldn't. And what happened? The owner said to Gene Smith, go get him. Go get him. And not only did they try to go get him, when the Jets were haggling about whatever this money payment was, they they, they got back in the game. And it came down, I guess, to Tebow deciding, or who knows if he did or he didn't, but it sure sounds like he he decided the Jets over, over Jacksonville. And, I mean, if you're a guy who... Whose uh, whose whose main, um, I guess, reason for playing the game is to spread uh, word and and a message. I mean, what what better place would you want to do it than New York? But all these stories <laughs> that say that he chose New York over Jacksonville because he thought it was a clearer path to starting—that's gotta that's amazing. Sanchez up. I saw a great tweet. I don't when, know if that's uh, true or not. But I saw a great tweet uh, on Wednesday when. The Jets made the trade. It was uh, sleep well tonight, Mark Sanchez. Sleep well. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that's, that's an interesting situation, and if, I think the Giants love it. They love tweaking the Jets, and they love tweaking the Jets. They love everything about tweaking the Jets. I mean, it seems like the Jets are just kind of making moves for the sake of making moves. Well, it's just, again, it is, it's, it's, it's the, the, the managerial style matches Rex Ryan's sort of uh, boastful, fly by the seat of your pants style. Is this is this the last shot for them? Is this the last year maybe no, of the Tannenbaum no Rex era if it goes it, under? If you think about it, the Jets, the Jets, San Antonio Holmes becomes available. Let's go get him. LT becomes available. Let's go get yep. him. Jason Taylor. Let's plug them all in. Uh, you know, Tim Tebow becomes available. Who, who, who sort of cares that two weeks before we were re-signing Mark Sanchez and talking about how we passed on Peyton Manning because Mark's our guy. Now right. let's bring somebody in who is a major, major figure to put behind him. 
on the depth chart. If Hard Knocks could ever wish for a a, a part due sequel, it's uh, it's this. I Jets think the team, Jets right? are even done with that, though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe me. I'm sure they'll be knocking on their door, and that's too much of a circus. Which, but this is what the Jets wanted. They want the back page. They like it. They like adding big names. They like the splashy moves. And and Rex is the type of guy to just say, "Bring them all. I'll make it fit. I'll make it work." Even though last year it sort of didn't. But we're talking about it, right? Yeah, oh, we're, we're not talking we're not, about a team that didn't make the playoffs. We're right not going to stop talking about it either. Tebow made the back page of the Daily News four straight days in March. I mean, so we're talking about it, and that's that's that's. That's part of the strategy, I think. And I'm sure the Tebow jerseys are going through the roof. My my 17-year-old nephew, my brother's kid, wants a Tebow jersey. Jets, he wants it. So, so I just don't know how it works because that's how you get second-guessed, and there's going to be so much of it. Sanchez was doing so well, why'd you bring in Tebow? Tebow was doing so well, why'd you bring in Sanchez? Yeah. You know, what, why didn't you bring in Tebow here instead of Sanchez? What week is Tebow the full-time starter? Not. I don't think it's going to happen. Ever? I just don't think it's going to happen. I mean, Sanchez is really going to have to spit the bit for that to happen. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was last, last year there was one point after the loss to Denver, I think, where it was like, we got to get Brunel in there. <laughs> like, okay. I mean, and that's how it finally got to that point, and they were only 5-5 five and five at that point. They were only 500. Man, oh, man. It's a, it's a, it's a mess in New York, it seems. Yeah, I think that's what it was. It's a mess. Yeah, they were 6-6. Six and six. So, I, I don't know. I don't see how they're going to put him in there, but Tebow's the type of guy that needs the reps to get better. He's not going to get it in practice. I don't know how it works, man. Well, we're going to have a lot more, obviously, on Tebow coming up when uh, we have Jenny Varenas coming up look later. You, look at you, man. Beat writer. Yeah, that you know. Is, hey, that we, was a host move right well, there. Well, here, here's what I want to know. That was a spin think, forward and, and, and tease and promote. I think here's what people want to know. What, what, what is Rich Eisen doing this week? Did, on his week what, off. What, what's uh, what's tapping out involved for you? Uh, I'm going to go. Ski, I'm going to go. Well, that's my dog in wow. the backyard. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> that, that's Hudson? Uh, that's Hudson the dog. There he is. Um, I'm just spending today uh, lounging about... Um, you know, weekends, as you guys will learn, with two kids, it's it's survive and advance. It's much like the survive NCAA and advance, much tournament. like the tournament. It's survive and advance. Just take one hour and move to the next. Survive and advance. More importantly, Rich, what's on your television right now that you're watching with these little ones? I'm not. Oh, right now? Or I, I well, was what, watching what, actually Beauty and the Beast for the first time. Do you guys ever see that? The the Disney movie? Yeah, Be- of course. Bell's, Bell's a fox. I've never seen it before. Yeah. And I'm watching it with my son, and I'm like, this is a, a Stockholm Syndrome story. <laughs> Seriously, I'm sitting there, I say to my wife, I'm like, this is the Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> She's falling in love with her kidnapper. Oh. What the hell's the matter with Disney? Wait, so we, so we know... That's what I thought. I'm like, I'm, I'm like I'm watching my, my kid's watching the Disney Stockholm story. Did you, you not watch it? Disney movies growing up? Sorry? Did you not watch Disney movies growing uh, up? I mean, Beauty and the Beast is not from our childhood, right? How old is that movie? I don't know. I mean, isn't it recent? I think it, I think it was uh, mid-90s. Early 90s, yeah, mid-90s? I mean, okay, not, not the old, yeah, dude, old. I'm not watching Disney movies when I'm in college. No, of course not. Did you? No, absolutely not. Or graduate school? No. Yeah, I wasn't Beauty and the Beasting, and I, didn't, I have not seen it on Broadway either. So I was sort of a fresh, clean slate, and I'm like, what the hell? Um, at any rate, yeah, that's what we did that. And um, 
No, uh, no, I'm just, the I'm Muppet just, movie. I'm really huge, just looking out that huge. there's no Dora the Explorer going on. That's all. No, no, no. Okay. The Muppet movie. He's that was fantastic. The, the last one, the most recent one. Oh, the, one G- Jason, the Jason Siegel. Siegel one? Yeah, Siegel's great. Very awesome. nice. It really is a great, it's awesome. Yeah, I liked it too. You saw it? I, I saw it in the theater. With with who? Uh, with my lady friend. She's friends with your Jason Siegel. Fr- she's, she's friends with Jason Siegel. See, you are part of young Hollywood, Chris. Don't deny it. Your girlfriend's in 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 the in the American Pie sequel, correct? That is correct. It's go, go. You don't have to mention her name if you don't. I don't want to. Are we treading? Are we treading on thin ice here? Or? No, 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 no. It's He's fine. At a it's completely podcast. different we, hue we, of we, red. It's we, fine. Back when Spoon that. was in your position, we, we had him on, and we're we're fixing him up with Kara's kids' kindergarten teacher. I'm, so, I mean, personal lives are are on display. <laughs> I have taken Dish. to meeting women in a different arena. Okay, so what does she play in the Amer- what? It's American Reunion, correct? American Reunion. She what does she play in that? She plays Kevin's uh, wife. Okay, and she's friends with Jason Siegel. Yes, because she's done some work on How I Met Your Mother. Okay, and so and so we uh, we we just wanted to see a little show, a little support, and it was uh, it was fantastic. It was very well done. Yeah, yeah. So that that got us through the weekend. Uh, and then we're going to go skiing. We're going to put him on. My wife wants to put our our oldest. He's three and a half. She wants to put him on skis. So are you 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 hitting the sticks or are you using a snowboard? What are you? Uh... I don't know. I don't know. Um, well, I think, but we'll see. We're going to be in the Apri Lounge. I'm assuming. When was oh, yeah. the last time you went skiing? Oh gosh, it's almost a decade ago. Because we know Jews don't fish. I wasn't aware Jews ski. Jews, oh, Jews, some Jews ski, but okay. Jews don't fish. No, we or, don't fish. Or zipline. We don't, you know, I tweeted that out a few weeks ago is what you're referring to, right? Right. Yeah, when Dion and Sapper right. were tweeting about fishing, and I'm like, Jews don't fish. Do you see what Dion's response was? No, what did he say? It's just like, <laughs> who caught all the fish for Jesus is what he said. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you know, Jesus was fishing, was a fisherman. I'm like, okay, that's how far back we got to go to find one. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so it's been a long time. Take but a you lesson, know, Chris. Um, when you're when you're the face of a network, um, you can't you can't get on the ski. I mean, it's just irresponsible to an entire group of people. <laughs> if I'm out, what happens? I mean, I don't know. I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about like 2004, 2005, when I was the only person, <laughs> <laughs> right? The only, the only staffed. <laughs> it would have been. Yeah, I think that was when I went. As a matter of fact, it was '04, and people were like, "Are you crazy?" So you have like a no ski, no motorcycle not, clause not in, the right. in your contract. Right. That's what, what you're saying. Oh, not wow. in the contract. Not in the contract. Good. Yeah, uh, but um, I could, uh, you know, now now the network could afford if I pull a job at Chamberlain or something like that. Oh yeah, wow. You know, there's many people to do this gig. Speaking of New York disasters. Yeah. So okay. So you got who? Who else you got on on the program? We got uh, Michael Robinson, Seahawks fullback, okay. Pro Bowler. He's obviously gotten uh, Marshawn Lynch a new contract. You got right. Frank Gore, a good one, and then uh, Jenny Frenes, the beat writer for the New York. Yeah, Star I follow Legend. her on Twitter. Yeah, she's a good follow. She's done some stuff for the network Excellent. as well. So we're gonna chat with them. We might even get Albert Breer to to yeah. talk a little Ohio State. All right, and uh, next week is Ray Romano, correct? Ray Romano in studio, correct? Yep. Oh, I, I'm sure he has lots to say on Tebow. Oh, That'll I'm be great. sure. Awesome. That'll be great. And uh, I think another booking, Matthew Perry's coming on the next week. Oh, nice. Great. He just did it a guest looks appearance. Like right now, I mean, scheduled to appear on that April 10th show, Jay Moore, Matthew Perry, and, and, and uh, Wilmer Valderrama. Oh, nice. Thanks. Wow. Famous for having uh, that was one of Jim Brockmeyer's calls in the, in the, uh, 
That's right. In the uh, Funny or Die video, I think it was like, oh, Vama, Wilmer Valderrama says hello. Excellent. That was Michael Corleone says hello. It's like, I oh, can, Wilver, Wilmer Valderrama, that was close. I, think I can was. only imagine what Jim would say about this Tebow mess. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, know, I know what Jim's creator thinks about it. <laughs> <laughs> He's scratching his head, too. Oh, like the rest of us. We have been getting multiple requests for, uh, for Brockmeyer to come back on. Maybe we'll have to get an off-season appearance. Yeah, maybe, or maybe it may have to be post-draft. Or maybe, I was going to say, a, an NFL draft recap, maybe. Or his thoughts. Yeah, it may have to be post draft. Yeah, we maybe you get him on at the draft. Wow, that might be a good one. Interesting. All right, boys. Okay, Rich, enjoy your I'm, no, I'm vacation. Out. Seriously, this is this is it. If you want to get amped up for your ski trip, uh, 1980s classic Hot Dog the movie. <laughs> I suggest it. Shannon <laughs> <laughs> tweet at her finest. Camping. Let me uh, let me fit that in between Beauty and the Beast and the Muppets. Got it. Stay safe, Rich. All right, boys. All right, thanks, Rich. Bye. All right, so there you have it. There's Rich from his house with Hudson the dog in the background. Gosh, Rich is in, and his dogs and his kids roaming around. I mean, I, I think he's getting a little stir-crazy, actually, at this point. Uh, absolutely. I, I'm interested to see him on skis is what I want to see. We saw, know, we saw him kick a field goal. I mean, like, we've seen him kick a field goal. We've seen him throw a football. <laughs> he's already claimed to not fish. And so uh, Rich on skis or a snowboard or uh, winter sports activities, skates, he, what have you. He is going to be in the lounge, in the apres lounge the entire time. Uh, here, this is my prediction. I think Rich goes up, he's terrified, he does one run down, and then he spends the whole afternoon in the cabin. Um, I'm, I'm with you on that. On the too. other hand, though, I, be- I would believe that Susie would be a great skier. I can totally see it. And she's got, she wants the three-and-a-half-year-old out there on the slopes. That's, that's when you've got to start him, too. Man, oh, man. He's young. Um, so Rich had said in there, Beauty and the Beast is not from our childhood, dude. I, I don't know about you. I didn't, I didn't have the heart to tell him. Um, Beauty and the Beast came out in, what, 91? Yeah, Rich, I was eight, so that kind of is from my childhood. <laughs> yeah, same here. I, I was I was barely breaking breaking a teenager. So, I mean, I had a younger brother and sister. So our the Brockman family Disney collection movies is vast. Oh yeah. So I've seen all of these. Absolutely. Uh, well, someone that that is from our childhood uh, is uh, Seahawks Pro Bowl fullback Michael Robinson. Uh, he's gonna actually going to join us uh, right now. He's coming in the studio. So. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and get him in here, Brockman. Please now to welcome to the Rich Eisen Podcast, the Pro Bowl fullback of the Seattle Seahawks, Michael Robinson. Michael, how you doing? What's going on? Good to be here, man. Always good to have a fellow Penn Stater in the house. So uh, congratulations on making it to your, your first Pro Bowl. Thank uh, you. What was that experience like for you this year in Hawaii? Um, it was great. It was a, definitely an honor. Um, obviously, with, with stuff going on at Penn State with Coach Paterno, it was definitely a um, tiring trip for me, making the trip back to Pennsylvania and then back to Hawaii. But... Um, Great experience. I loved it. I loved it. So this is your first trip to Hawaii as a pro as a Pro Bowler. You've been blocking now for two marquee Pro Bowl running backs, Frank Gore, Marshawn Lynch. Explain explain the listeners kind of the difference in blocking for different running styles and and what that entails for you as a fullback. Well, um, a guy like I'll start with Marshawn. Um, a guy like Marshawn. Again, I've said it before. The guy walks aggressively. I mean, everything about <laughs> the guy is aggressive. Beast mode. You know? Right? Yeah, exactly. So when, when you're blocking for him. You know, his style forces you to get out the way. I mean, if you don't win the block, he'll help you win it because he'll run right over you <laughs> and the guy that that you're blocking. And um, Frank is so patient. You know, Frank has, I think, some of the best vision in the game in this game right now. Uh, you can make a block and you think he's behind you, but he's kind of skirted back door and, and he's gone. You know what I mean? And uh, I think Marshawn just – his power off one leg is is unmatched in the league, 
and uh, I actually um, had a debate with uh, Ross Tucker about this, uh, about who's the better back, uh, Marshawn or Shady McCord. Oh, so I'm gonna oh, present okay. that to you guys. Who do you guys think is the best back? Interesting. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm an Eagles fan. Oh man, Sh- Shady Shifty, that's for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think Shady McCoy is a little more versatile. Really, as a pass catcher, I think he's a little more dangerous. Um, I beg to differ on that one. I beg. Well, of course, you got to defend yeah. your guy. Yeah, right I got to defend him. I got to defend him. But I look at blocking. I look at catching. I look at when you're not getting the ball. What are you doing? Okay, Marshawn's always working. Okay. You can watch the film. He's always working. Shady, one of the best backs in the league. So what you you're trying mean? to say is that Shady McCoy, <laughs> no, see, he, he prescribes <laughs> to the Randy Moss theory where he plays when no, he wants no, to. No, no, that no, what you're no, trying no, to say? No, I'm not saying he plays when he wants to. Okay. Because a back takes on a full load, and he's one of the backs in the league that takes the whole load. So so does Marshawn. Uh, Steven Jackson. Mm-hmm. They're, one of the, they're some of the backs who doesn't have a complimentary back. So they get tired. Right. You know what I mean? And um, – I just think Marshawn's better at what he does, man. I'm sorry. It's man. pretty you rare know? in this league, actually, because there aren't too many teams that have just one main go-to guy. A lot it's of- hard to do that now. Yeah, um, the defenses are just too good. Um, the guys are too fast; they hit too hard. I mean, you, guys get hurt. You you need another back in the backfield, and um, Marshawn did a great job handling most of it by himself. I mean, he had Leon Washington spelling him here and there, but uh. Great back. Can we create a campaign here to get you some more touches? Is that absolutely? What you, is that what you want us to absolutely. do right now? Absolutely, absolutely. I need to touch the ball more too. I agree. Yeah. So, <laughs> speaking of that, you you did transition. You know, you're a college quarterback. You went fifth in the Heisman voting your, your senior year. You come into the league as a running back. What was that transition like for you? And and when did you know you were going to have to make it? Did you did you want to originally give it a shot as a quarterback? Um. Well, I look at myself as a football player first. Okay. So. Uh, my goal. Where have I heard that before? Yeah, yeah. That, that sounds like the guy. <laughs> I said it first. Though. I said it six years ago. I said it six years okay, ago. But all right. I'm a football player first. I mean, honestly. And my goal was to make it to the National Football League. It wasn't to be a quarterback in the National Football League. And yeah, I could have. I could have told people, look, I just want to play quarterback. Uh, I think Troy Smith said that also. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and they told me, well, you might not get drafted if you want to wait for quarterback. Um, but interesting enough, Joe told me in, in 2001 that I'll probably be a Pro Bowl fullback or running back in the National Football League. Really? He said that. And then when I got accepted to my first Pro Bowl as a fullback, I mean, I, it's like, oh, man, did you have a crystal ball or something? I mean, how would you know? But um, I don't know, man. I mean, the biggest thing every day was practicing. You know, practicing at quarterback and practicing at fullback and running back are two totally different practices. So can you can you walk adjustment. us through the the main difference? Look, I played quarterback in high school. I'm not sure I was what, a fullback. <laughs> so what you played? But that was obviously a long time ago on a much different level. What, what what are the practices like, and what are the main differences between the two positions? Well, quarterback, you know, it's a lot of dropping back, a lot of footwork, a lot of um, non-contact drills. You know, fullback the red jersey. Yeah, the red jersey, fullback. Um, you, you kind of, I don't feel like practice has started until I hit somebody. You know, I mean, we go through walkthroughs and things like that, and even after practice, I have to go hit the, I have to go hit the the sled because it's just I need to hit somebody. Yeah. you know what I mean. Absolutely. Quarterbacks don't hit anybody, so uh, that's the biggest difference. Just the physicality of practice. Was there a switch in your head, like a mindset that you had to get yourself kind of amped up for to really go hit somebody? Because obviously there's a big difference in the mindset between a quarterback and a fullback. Well, I mean, do you want to pay your bills or you don't? Right. That's kind of what it gets down to. So I decided I wanted to pay my bills. Speaking of big hits, uh, one of the Penn State games I'll never forget. (laughs) Uh, I think you know where I'm going with this. Minnesota, 
That yeah. hit. Can can you walk us through that? When did you know that that was? How, how did that play develop? It happened so fast. It was a play action pass. It's crazy. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was a play action pass, and uh, I kind of got a pressure from the right side, so I kind of booted out to the right, and I'm literally I'm looking downfield the whole time. And at the last minute, I saw the safety coming, and, and I just wanted to protect myself. So I just dropped, and I think he thought I was going to run out of bounds because he didn't hit me right. He, you know, he he just had no technique with it, and um, it was unfortunate for him, you know, on that particular play. But I even tried to reach out to him. I tried to reach out to him. He wouldn't. He kind of he wouldn't talk. He didn't to want me. anything. Yeah, to do he didn't want anything. He was trying to get up on that bus ride. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, back to the Seahawks. So you guys just signed Matt Flynn, three-year, twenty million dollar deal. You got him and Tavares coming in as one and one A. How do you see that competition playing out? I think it's going to bring the best out of both of them. Um, I like Tavares. I think Tavares is a good quarterback. I don't know Matt um, that well, but from what I've seen, he's also a great quarterback. Um, I think it's going to bring the best out of both of them. I talked to Tavares. I talked to Tavares a few days ago, and he's excited. You know, he's excited. Um, he said, "Man, the Seahawks were you know they were up front with me the whole time." Um, he said, I'm excited to have another guy come in because he's going to bring the best out of me. So I'm excited to see it. You know, um, I'm just going to watch it and see what, see what be, happens. You say you've seen that Matt Flynn's a good player. You've seen the one game we've all seen of Matt Flynn, <laughs> yeah. right? Seen the, you know, the one game, the few preseason games and things <laughs> like that. You know, and uh, for some odd reason, Green Bay backups tend to be pretty good quarterbacks. So Maybe you know, something to well, that. He was pretty successful up in, up in Seattle exactly. for, for a few years. Exactly. I uh, want to know what it's like to play for Pete Carroll. Everyone you know, talks about how great of a guy he is. It seems like he has a great time doing what he does. What is it about him? He has so much juice energy um he's excited you know uh again he he creates a great atmosphere conducive to winning i mean you want to come to work every day um he's always having fun and practice we're playing music you know to kind of get the blood flowing Mm -hmm. a little bit um that's what he's all about i I remember the first practice i was there this is Pete Carroll. the first practice in 2010 right before the first game uh he got the coaches together during a walkthrough they got in a circle and they started rocking (laughs) And I'm looking like, what in the world is going like on? Like old school Michigan yeah, basketball. Yeah, like they started rocking. rocking. And then they got real loud. And they said, oh. And they, these are the coaches. The coaches. They fell back on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is this for real? And uh, it made you want to go through with the walkthrough. Like if these coaches are this excited about practice, why can't I? So they, wow. they always compare You know, he's the, the ultimate college coach. Do you feel like it's kind of a college atmosphere? University up there? of Seattle, yeah, yeah. yeah that's what yeah, we call that's it. What University of Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, kind of. But at the same time, he 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 definitely listens to the players. He kind of lets the team be our team. When mm-hmm. are we going to see the fullback pass up in Seattle? Well, we saw it in 2010. We haven't seen it in 2011. Yeah, we didn't see it last year. I don't know, man. Maybe you guys need to write a letter, man. Coach Bevel, if you're listening. I'm telling you, we're here to get you more Coach touches. Coach Bevel, so, I can throw the ball. And speaking of fullback passing, the news of the week, obviously, is Tim Tebow and uh, him moving to the Jets and that trade. How do you see a guy like him transitioning to that team? And he said he's willing to do what it takes. He wants to be a football player first. Do you see him staying at a quarterback position, maybe making a switch, playing a little tight end or running back, halfback? I, I'm a I'm a very big uh, Tim Tebow fan. I, I, I really, really think he's a winner. Um, I, I like what the guy's all about. Um, but I do think that maybe he's about to start putting his hand in the grounds a little bit. Um, I, I just <laughs> – in this league, you have to be able to at least four games out of a season, the quarterback, 
has to be able to drop back 20 to 30 to 35 times a game and win the game for you with his arm. And um, I just haven't seen that yet from Tim on this level. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he's a phenomenal athlete. Um, I think if he puts his mind to a position switch, I think he can be great at it. Especially a fullback position, you can bring yeah. a little bit more relevance. A little bit, we're not phased out anymore. If Tim Tebow is playing fullback, pub, right? you know, yeah. <laughs> they got the so, Terminator there already, though, in in, in New York, right? John Connor. John Connor. Yeah. <laughs> He's pretty good. He's too. a beast. But just the, you good. know the media hoopla that kind of goes with Tim Tebow. Would, would you have any opinion on that? Uh, you know, people. You know, the media likes to talk about things that are different. And mm-hmm. Tim Tebow is not scared to put his religion out there on front on, on front street. He's not afraid to talk about it. He's not afraid to always give glory to God. And I admire that. I I, I don't I don't see why is that such a big story. Mm-hmm. Guys like Randall Cunningham did it. Guys like Reggie White did it, and it wasn't this blown up. You know what I mean? And I just think it's just something else that the media has to talk about. Is it because maybe he's not the conventional quarterback? So much was made about the Broncos trading up and taking him in the first round, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, how many guys like Tim Tebow came before Tim Tebow? But he got drafted in the first round. You know what I mean? How many guys were with the same makeup, you know? Yeah. And I'm not talking about myself all the way. You know what I mean? <laughs> but how many guys with the same makeup literally yep. didn't get a chance? You, you look at guys like myself. You look at guys like even DJ Shockey. You look at guys like uh, the West Virginia uh, quarterback a few Pat, years ago. Pat, Pat, Pat White, White or I Antoine mean, Randall L. Yeah, or Antoine Cordell Randall Stewart L. Before those guys. Heinz, well, all those guys had to make the position switch. My uh, The question I always had, what made Tim different? Mm-hmm. You know, so. No, I, I, what does I, make him different? I don't know. I think you, you, you probably have to ask – the front office at that time that drafted him mm-hmm. um, because uh, if the Broncos don't, I, does he go in the first round? We don't know. Right. So hmm. so we talked about it a little earlier, You're a Penn State guy, you were in the Pro Bowl. Um, obviously you had the privilege to speak at Coach Paterno's um, memorial service. That was a long flight back for you. You represented the 2000 decades speaking at that. Uh, excellent job, by the way. It was a very Thank touching you. speech. If you could just kind of, what was that like for you? What was that day like? What, what what were you going through on that day? Well, um, it was tough because I had just got off a plane just two hours earlier. And um, that was the first time I had seen Sue Paterno. That was the first time I had seen Jay and the family, the grandkids, and all the players that came back. I didn't re- – I mean, Joe touched a lot of, you know, people in their lives. You know, he, he really was influential in their lives. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people came back. And that was my first time – that I was able to grieve, you know, obviously I grieved my wife a little bit, but to actually see everybody and to see the atmosphere, it made it tough. It made it very tough, but, um, to, to give Sue a hug and to talk to her and to, 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 to know that they chose me out of all the players he, he coached, they chose me to speak about that decade. It meant a whole lot. And, um, I'm definitely grateful to him. You're one of the guys that was obviously uh, a lot closer to him, even after you kept in, in touch after. Do you have a, a good or funny Joe story from practice days or anything? Oh, you man. know, the voice, anything? Uh, Robinson, you're a coward. You're a coward. <laughs> don't throw that interception. Oh, I don't know. Uh, you know, he's, Joe, is, is a, Joe is a walking story. I mean, everything that Joe does is, is a funny story. <laughs> Joe did it was a funny story. But, um, uh, one one story was um, really 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 funny of mine. Um, I don't even know if I can say this on TV on, on the radio, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Um, we were in the locker room, and um, Joe, we were at Michigan State's locker room, and Joe had to use the restroom, 
And so I'm in the I'm in the restroom in the mirror, kind of you know trying to look look good in front of the mirror. And if you ever been to Michigan State's locker room, they don't have any stalls. They don't have any walls. They just have toilets. You just know? oh even There's no walls. So if you got so if you're going number two, two you you're can there. see a guy you're going. going number two. <laughs> wow. And uh, so I'm straightening you know everything out, and I see the cuffed cuffed legs behind me. <laughs> You know, with and I'm like, oh, I know this is not Joe, you know, and and the shoes are pointed at me, so I know he's number two happening, you know, <laughs> and I turned around and I said, Coach, are you all right? And he said, Those hot dogs, they do it to me every time, <laughs> and I, I I lost. <laughs> wow, that's gonna be that's great, that's awesome. Speaking of Penn State, it kind of does tie into the NFL storyline because the Patriots offensive coordinator uh, has left the team, Bill O'Brien. He's he's there. Um, Rich is going to kill me for having this so such a Penn State heavy podcast. That's um, fine. That's fine. In the future, we will have an Orangeman on. Yeah, he's we a, Chris will, is a Syracuse grad. We'll talk about so yeah. Syracuse. <laughs> we, we have Donovan come in or something like that. But uh, I just worked out with him yesterday. Too. Oh, Donovan, to do, yeah, yeah, he's a big Phoenix guy too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, how do you see Bill O'Brien fitting in there, and and what do you think he's going to bring to the table? From what I'm hearing, he's doing a great job. A great job. I was skeptical at first uh, because of the process. I wasn't skeptical of the choice. I was skeptical of the process to choose the head coach. Um, a couple guys were outspoken, you know, Lavar. Yeah. A um, uh, couple of the couple of the better known varsity Letterman guys were were not taking it so well. Well, I mean, I understood Lavar's uh, frustration. We all did when this when this scant when when this thing happened at Penn State. Uh, I know personally, I felt like my foundation was shaking a little bit. You know, I bleed blue and white. You know, and you didn't even want to hear people joke about it for a few days. Mm-hmm. You know, you, people were kind of walking on eggshells around me at practice. Um, but I shared LeVar's frustration. I, no, we just didn't say it a, a, as he did. But um, I think what we were frustrated in was, first off, the investigation of the whole thing. And then how we felt that Joe was used as a scapegoat for some institutional uh, breakdowns. And um, as opposed to just admitting that you were wrong yeah. you know and and I, I agree with with what with LeVar was saying just not the way he said it um but from what I hear Co- coach O'Brien's doing big things I heard, I heard he's dominating recruiting right now um I just talked to Anthony Adams uh former uh Penn Stater just um the Chicago Bears, with the right Chicago now. Bears. Yep. um he he's up there training he said Mike I mean they're, they're doing an awesome job I think one thing the Penn State kids coming out of that program now they're going to be they're going to know football language there's one, one of the roadblocks coming from Penn State uh was you know some of the things we would do they would make it kind of easy for us to understand and we didn't kind of know NFL language it was kind of like a foreign language um I definitely know for a fact this coach is going to give them they, they're going to know NFL language when they leave up out of there and he's so. not afraid to chew out Tom Brady on the sideline so so Matt, Matt McGlowan, Rob Bolden, yeah, look <laughs> be, be, be on the lookout. Uh, before we let you go and get out of here, tell us a little bit about the Real Rob Report. RealRobReport.com. Got to check it out. It's pretty much it started uh, my freshman year, my rookie year, I'm sorry, uh, with the San Francisco 49ers. It was called the Rookie Report. Um, it was put on by the 49ers PR channel and, and things like that. Did that for four years. Um, and then when the lockout came, uh, I kind of wanted to – 
I saw the media's coverage of the lockout, and it, it just didn't seem like that the players' view was coming out much. You know, and then I was seeing Twitter, and fans were just wondering what guys were doing. You right. know, so I started just going around with a camera, interviewing guys, um, telling them to be real about it. You know, whatever you, whatever you got to say. I always ask the guy, with, 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 with don't they want to talk about? Mm-hmm. If you don't want to talk about some stuff, we don't talk about it. I want to hear about foundations. I want to hear about what you're doing in the community. I want to hear about, you know. The Rocket needs a little help with his foundation, right? Yeah, with, with the Rocket, the Rocket Locket needs a little help with him. He's a young guy, though. You know, he'll he'll, he'll get it right. That, that watch out for that kid. Yeah, he, I'm telling you, he, 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 he can big play. guy. He can play. Um, well, I was perusing through the Real Rob Report, and <laughs> I uh, I caught a video. You and your lovely wife, who's here, went <laughs> skydiving. Correct. Tell us a little yes. bit about that. It's my uh, birthday, my 29th birthday. My wife would not tell me what I was doing that morning. She just said, "Well done. Be aware that you're going to get dirty." <laughs> and um, she stayed clean, though. You, you, yeah, you, you. I got dirty. Um, <laughs> we pulled up, and uh, she knew I wanted to do it, but it was kind of those. I want to go skydiving until I actually pull up. Right. To the you airport. just talk about yeah, it. Yeah, just right. talk about yeah. it. Yeah. And literally, if I stretch out, I was bigger than the plane. <laughs> that scared me first. Okay. Yeah. And then. Um, they had to kind of help me get out of the plane, and I'm standing on the wing with a guy on my back. And then he asks me, are you ready? And I turn around and say, huh, and he kicks off. And they're filming and then you're just And they're too. filming the whole thing. And yeah. you're just falling at this And I'm point. just falling, man. What man. is going through your mind? At th- I've never been skydiving. Yeah, it's on my bucket list for sure, but yeah, I have keep, keep it there. Keep it there. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. I don't recommend don't do it to it. anybody. No, it scared the mess out of me. I was sick for two days afterwards. Like, I felt like I had a cold or something. And I threw up. <laughs> While well, you were doing it? While I was doing it. Oh. About, 50, about 50 yards down from the ground, I threw up on myself. Well, you, you had oh. a hard landing because you came in, your, your wife came in clean. She, yeah. she had a nice landing. They ran. Both of them stayed up. And yeah. you come in and you guys just eat it on the yeah, landing. Yeah, he told me to put my heels up so that your heels kind of dig in. Yeah. But see, here's the thing. I'm 240. Okay. The guy that was on my back is 190. Okay, so top heavy. yeah, so I just kind of slid forward, and you know my heels weren't able to stop me. So, you know, I ended up with my legs behind me as opposed to in front of me. But it's all good though; I made it out. All right, real you quick know? before we let you go, what what do the Seahawks have in store the uh, NFC West this year? How how are things looking for you guys? Um, obviously, we expect to win it. We expect to dominate it. We expect to win it for this year, next year, and the years after. Um, and that's anything less is a failed season. You got a Twitter handle you want to pub real quick? Uh, real Mike Rob at Real Mike Rob. Follow Real Rob Report. Check out realrobreport.com dot com. Awesome, e- excellent. That's Michael Robinson, the Pro Bowl fullback from the uh, from the Seahawks, and one of the greatest Penn State quarterbacks in Penn State. Penn State history. Mike, it's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot for coming on the Rich Eisen podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, bud. Wow, Michael Robinson, what a fantastic guy. Great energy. I was a little worried to begin in, Chris, because he was sweating up a storm in the podcast well, he, studio. I mean, he came in dressed to the nines. He had a dapper suit on. What color was that? Um, it's like fuchsia or like a, like it was, a purple? It was like, like a, a, a egg burgundy. Pl- eggplant uh, burgundy, uh, maybe? A, maybe a burgundy. But uh, about about a minute and a half in, he, he started beading a little bit uh, up it's top. Hot. I mean, it's hot in here. Definitely is hot to get the lights on. As a fellow here. member of the Bald Brotherhood, it is hot in here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but he, he's a great guy, obviously. Um, great guy. Loves Marshawn Lynch. Loves blocking for those guys. Blocked for he, Frank Gore. He kind of put us on the spot there a little bit. He really with, did. Uh, he, he flipped the switch on us. Yeah, I, I, right away I was like, huh, do I answer this? I don't know. I wasn't really prepared. But you know what? I had to give his guy a little. Of course he's going to defend Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. So I, I went the other Absolutely. direction. I hope, I hope he's getting some residuals from that Skittle deal that Marshawn signed. Right? <laughs> you know, as a fellow Penn State alum, 
you are, excuse me, you're a fellow Penn State alum with Mike Robinson. Yep. Um, you probably had your interactions with, with Coach Paterno. What did you think of his uh, story that he told oh. at Michigan State? Surprised he told it. That was awesome. Yeah, that way. was pretty great. It was a, it was a pretty great story. Um, no, he's, he's a guy that uh, was a great locker room guy when he was there. Uh, I covered the team my senior year, the year after he left, but uh, I also grew up in that town, so I'm pretty close to the to the program. Mm-hmm. And like he said, I I bleed blue and white as well. So you know, when he was talking about you know what that university's been through the past few months, I I knew exactly where he was yeah. uh, with that mindset. But no, just a, a good guy overall, and uh, you could see you know he, he was so happy to still talk about that program and the pride he still has in it, which you know obviously makes us all yeah happy. yeah that was uh, that was really evident uh, in just what he how he was coming across. I also wanted to ask him, didn't get a chance to tell his favorite Marshawn Lynch story because yeah. he said he walks aggressively. <laughs> so I, I can only imagine the type of stories or behind-the-scenes looks that he could give into that guy's personality. I mean, he eats Skittles on the sideline during NFL games. It's crazy. It's, it's definitely crazy. Um, but it sounds the, like they're having a great time up there in Seattle. Peak, you know, he, what did he say, the University of the Seattle? The University of Seattle. He couldn't uh, speak highly, uh, more highly than no, uh, Pete, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll seems like a fun guy, obviously, to, p- to play for. But we, we got to talk to him a little bit about uh, Tim Tebow, you know, because yep. he made the transition from quarterback to a fullback now. Mm-hmm. And it was, I thought it was interesting how he said he thinks we're going to see Tim's hand in the ground at some point here. Maybe the... Uh, the quarterback That's pretty and, interesting. I didn't know that was in the Wildcat uh, look, yeah. having your hand in the ground. No, I, I, I don't know. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on, on this? how this is all going to play out? I have been a um, not exactly a soft-spoken Tim Tebow supporter since the Florida days. Uh, I actually thought that he was going to make the Pro Bowl this year, and I was very close to, to doing that. Had Ben Roethlisberger pulled out, Tebow would have made the Pro Bowl this year. There were eight Broncos that made the Pro Bowl. He, how is he not one of them? I, I have no idea. Even just to get people to watch that game, you, you have Tim Tebow in that game. So, so I, I think Tim Tebow is a very interesting and unique football player. And I think if he is on your team, much like the Broncos did this year, you find ways to put him in the, the best possible situations to help your football team. And I don't think he's going to be able to do that with the Jets. I think by bringing him in with the Jets, you're just asking for trouble. I don't yeah. think this is good for Mark Sanchez. Like I said, like I said when we had Richard on earlier, sleep well tonight, Mark Sanchez, because that's the last good sleep you're going to get for a long time. I mean, I know that the media kind of wants him to come out and and be aggressive. Right, and angry I, I about want him this, to be angry, but it's a lose. I think it's a it's it's a lose lose situation for him. He comes out and he says says all this stuff that you know lights a fire under him. Then you know. Then it's more drama, more media focus. Right. If he doesn't say it's damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of moment for yeah. him, which you can kind of empathize with. Um, and his late that whole laid back mentality, that persona he has, certainly doesn't help in this right. instance. But. I almost feel bad for him. The Jets are really putting him in a like you said a lose lose situation by bringing in Tim Tebow. You know the circus that surrounds this guy on and off the field. You saw it yeah, uh, on Monday with the press conference that he had 200 media members. They had to move it to the field house just yep. to accommodate all the cameras and photographers and reporters. Well, speaking of the field house on Monday, one of the reporters that was there is Jenny Vrentes. She's the beat writer for the Jets for the New York Star-Ledger. Uh, great reporter. Um, know her from back in the day as well. So let's, uh, let's get to Jenny and yeah, phone I'm, her Yeah, I'm up. really curious as to what she has to say about all this. Hey, let's hear her thoughts on this. All right, gracious enough to join us now on the Rich Eisen Podcast is the very talented Jets beat writer for the New York Star-Ledger, Jenny Vrentes. Jenny, thanks for taking the time. 
Oh, it's a nice introduction. Thanks for having me, guys. So uh, pretty quiet off-season there in Jetsland, huh? I know. It, just when, you know, we thought, wow, their biggest signing was going to be LaRon Landry, maybe. You know, a safety is not always the most the biggest splash you can make. Uh, sure enough, they trade for Tim Tebow, and everything is chaos. So l- let's kind of start with that. You were at the Tim Tebow press conference on Monday morning. Paint, paint the picture for us. Pretty bizarre scene, huh? I mean, it was. I've never really seen anything like that at a team facility, even, you know, being at the Giants facility before the Super Bowl or, you know, um, from what I understand, when Rex was hired and when Sanchez was drafted, nothing like this. It was uh, in the field house, their full-size, you know, football field-size indoor field house. They set up a podium for Tebow in the end zone, and there were about more than 200 media members there were, you know, more than a dozen satellite trucks outside. I heard some of them got positioned in the middle of the night. There were, you know, thir- more than 30 tripods of cameras, several live feeds. It was just, uh, you know, he talked for, I think, 30-some minutes. So it was just a crazy scene, unlike anything I've, I've seen before. Were you given any indication of how this was supposed to go? Because I thought it was bizarre that no one from the Jets kind of introduced him. He just walked out like he owned the place and started taking questions. Yeah, I mean, I guess the situation with, you know, the owner, the GM, and the head coach all being down at the NFL meetings in Florida kind of left Tebow, you know, to kind of handle it himself. You know, the press conference could have been held Friday if, you know, but they had that snag with the contract, so he was in theory on Denver's salary cap until Saturday at 4, so that pushed Mm. the press conference to Monday when all the head guys were out of town. So it was a little weird. I mean, he was kind of walked across the field by a PR person, and, you know, as everyone saw, it was just kind of a strange scene. But I will say, you know, it's kind of a tough situation. Like, you know, you, you appreciate the Jets creating access and providing space for the incredible media demand. But that was something that they, you know, you never complain about access and them accommodating the media. But, you know, then again, it's also dicey because it sends kind of a strange message that you're introducing your backup quarterback like that. I don't think it sends a good message. The backup so, quarterback that you flew in on a private jet, no less. Well, I see, okay, I guess the private jet was apparently belonged to a family friend, so it was not funded okay. by the jet. All right. But I understand exactly what you're saying. It like, sends a bizarre message. That's all it, I'm saying. Yeah. It's just, it's a very bizarre situation when this guy is not your starter, but yet it, every, from every appearance, you know, is getting the red carpet rolls out for him or, or setting it up himself, as the case may be. Tebow said, he said the word excited like 46 times or something. What did you make? Do you want to grade his performance if you could? How do you think he fared? Yeah, you know what? I thought he did a great job. I thought he was, you know, poised. I thought he was enthusiastic. He came across as genuine. He was given a lot of tough questions, and he successfully navigated away from potential minefields. You know, he was asked about to explain his religion, and he was careful not, he said, you know, I want to talk about football. I don't think it's an appropriate platform. The toughest questions, of course, were, you know, are you here to compete with Sanchez? You know, what will your relationship be like? And he said, you know, very nice things about Sanchez, that he's looking to contribute to the team. You know, I think in terms of a debut, he did really well. The question, I think, with this whole situation, I don't think it's that, you know, Tebow's going to come in with a great attitude. And I think a lot of the coaches are excited to work with him. And I think 
some of his teammates are excited to you know that he's on the team because he's a winner and a dynamic player. But there's a lot of other stuff that comes with it. You know, his very um, passionate fan base and right. success that he had last season as a starter. So what does that mean for Sanchez? Those that's a whole other element that would, if anything, that would cause the most problems. So so how do you kind of see this playing out um, with Mark and him in the in the coming in the months to come? They said they've talked. And right. they say they're friends from the past. Tebow made the, the mention that he actually stayed with Mark on his recruiting trip to USC. So how do you see this playing out with Mark and, and the Jets moving forward? Yeah, and I mean, you know, Mark talked on Monday as well, and I think he also said the right things. So, you know, certainly starting at square one, starting with, you know, Sanchez leaving Tebow, a voicemail right after the trade, they're all doing the right things. I think they're both, you know, guys who get it, who understand, who have good team-first attitudes. But that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's a very difficult situation. Um, You know, you're putting two very uber-competitive guys together who both have had success with starting quarterbacks in this league, and you're designating one as the starter and one as the backup. But, you know, there's a lot of – there's a fine line that's going to be walked. You know, they have a Tebow package for Sanchez that Rex has suggested they could use – up to as many as 20 times in a game, which is, you know, maybe a third of the offensive snap. That's a huge amount. Um, Yeah, exactly. So I'm not sure, but the one element that I will say is I don't, like, I do believe Sanchez is a very good quarterback. And I think, you know, my take is that he's a, going to kind of rise to the challenge. I think he's going to have a good season ahead of him. You do? You really believe that? I, I really believe that. And I know I might be in the minority. I just think last year with the system and with the chemistry problems, I think everyone was dragged down together. And I think that I'm, I think with a fresh start, with kind of more attention to locker room chemistry and you know, some new ideas on offense. I really think that we're forgetting that Sanchez is a good quarterback and he could ascend and could play at a really high level. That's the only way this can work. Yeah, you kind of said it right there. Darrell Rivas said Wednesday that the locker room was in disarray, which is no secret to those who have been paying attention this offseason. What is Tebow going to add to this locker room? Can he fix the problems or is he going to create more? Yeah, and, you know, I he himself, I don't think will create more problems. But then I think, as I think Rivas alluded to this as well, the kind of all the other stuff that comes with Tebow, the fan base, the clamoring for him. I mean, I think that's what's go- going to maybe create problems if, if problems arise. But Tebow himself, the organization said it wasn't a factor, but I think it was of him being a positive guy, you know, a team first guy who respects his players and coaches. I absolutely think that factored into the decision. They don't think he's going to heal the locker room. He's just one guy. I don't think that's possible. But I do think this year in all their offseason moves, there was some kind of consideration of how people will fit in and let's get a better chemistry balance than we had last year. And I think he's a kind of person on offense who has the right attitude and can kind of encourage that among the unit. One of the theories I kind of threw out there, Chris and I were discussing this earlier, is um, with Sanchez, this, this is kind of a make-or-break year for him. And, you know, he has made it to two AFC Championship games. But do you think that, in part, that Tannenbaum and Rex maybe made this move to find out what they truly have? This is his year. Either he rises to the pressure of Tim Tebow and comes over it, or if he doesn't, they can then void the contract for the last few years and get rid of him? Or how do you see this, that playing out? Do you think that was part yeah. of the move? 
Yeah, I mean, I do think that they they talked after the season is over about making changes to the quarterback room, and I do think putting someone behind Sanchez to push him, you know, was on their minds because you know they had Mark Brunell as the backup the last two years, and he was more of a mentor to Sanchez rather than someone who was pushing him. Clearly, when they said you know, looking for a new number two quarterback. No one really thought that it would be Tebow. But the weird thing is they gave Sanchez that contract extension, and I know, you know, you can say what you want about it, money being pushed around, but the most significant part of the contract extension was guaranteeing him $20.5 million in this year and next. So, you know, that kind of locks him in as a starter. That kind of made this year less of a make-or-break year than it had been before. Under his rookie deal, he'd have one year left, and you would make a decision then. The way they set up his contract, you know, he uh, now he was – when it first came out, it certainly looked like this is our guy for 2012 and 2013. So, you know, the Tebow move – it was a little bit strange coming after that, I felt. But wasn't Drew Stanton supposed to be the guy to push Mark Sanchez? Yeah, and, you know, they brought Stanton in, and they told him, you know, you're our number two, we're not bringing anyone else in. And then, obviously, you know, a couple of days later, Bo became available when Peyton Manning picked the Broncos, and then I guess the situation changed, which ultimately led to Stanton being shipped out of town. But... Yeah, it's a little bit strange because it just, from the outside, it looks like there wasn't a clear plan. You know, you bring in Stanton and then you're kind of like, whoops, you know, let's get Tebow instead. Right. Do you think Sanchez should have reacted the way Stanton did by basically being angry and demanding a trade, which he ultimately got? Do I think Sanchez should have done the same in this situation? I'm not saying do you think Sanchez should have demanded a trade, but do you think he should have been a little more outspoken, like, hey, what are you doing? I thought I was the guy. Yeah, well, I guess he's in a tough situation because they've said he's the guy, and I don't know... But how can he be the guy if you're going to promise one-third of the snaps to your backup? And they're not paying Tebow backup money. They're they're paying him a a middle-tier quarterback starting salary, too, correct? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the back end of his contract wasn't totally prohibited, like the base salaries, but I think... What you know certainly what turned head was the Jets in the trade agreeing to pay two point five million in those advanced salaries that the Broncos had paid out. So certainly that was another investment in itself. You know, kind of on top of what they expected the contract to be. So that kind of was a more significant financial investment that you kind of wondered. Right, exactly. Like you're putting this kind of investment in a guy who's your backup. Um, right. I'm yeah. just I was just trying to put myself in Sanchez's shoes. Right. If if someone, you know, if I'm the starting quarterback and I've been, you know, pledged as the guy, and they bring in especially Tim Tebow, who you know what you're getting in regards on and off the field, I think I would be a little upset, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, I think I would be upset because you don't want to be taken off the field at all, and then your coach is saying, you know, let's do 20 wildcat snaps a game when all of last season they did 18. You know, so think about that 18 wildcat plays last year and now they're going to do 20 a game that's amazing you know that's a big change and that's you know you worry that the quarterback you know doesn't get into his rhythm i think the you know like i said the only way i think this make this works is if sanchez plays well the team is winning and they use the wildcat in like situations in which it's very potent like use it in the red zone use it in short yards use it as kind of a tool i'm going to quote jerry Um, seinfeld that's a pretty big matzo ball there 
yeah, I know. I, I hear you. I mean, it's, uh, I didn't say that it's necessarily going to work. But if you use the Wildcat to enhance your run game and enhance your ground and pound, you know, kind of enhance that identity of yours, mm-hmm. I do see a way in which the balance could work. So what is the biggest fear for, for Rex and the Jets heading into this season? A slow start by Sanchez, clamoring for the fans. What, what week do we start hearing the Tebow chants, or what quarter, possibly, right. do we start hearing those if, if Mark is struggling? Right, and I agree. I think that is the biggest fear, a slow start by the offense. And, um, you know, let's say Sanchez has – you know, his biggest issue last year was turning the ball over. And if if that crops up again early, I mean, there's no telling how soon the chance will come. I think, you know, even Rex alluded to it. I think at speaking to reporters at the owners meeting yesterday, he said, uh, this will work if we win. Mark will be happy if we win. Santonio will be happy if we win. Well, when you say that, that opens it up <laughs> to the, what's the flip side. Well, if we don't win, I mean, this could blow up and, you know, this could be a big distraction and you're going to have, you know, we saw what happened in Denver. There was pressure to play Tebow and then, you know, you know, you say Sanchez is your guy and if he starts slowly, would you yank him? And that's a question that no one in the organization is willing to delve into. They don't want to talk about these negative hypotheticals. And I understand. I mean, that's smart for them to sidestep those questions right. now, but you know, in the fall, that's the biggest. I think how the team, how the quarterback balance and dynamic plays out is going to define the 2012 season for the Jets. There's no way it can't. I mean, if it's week 10 and the Jets are 5-5, five and five, are, are Rex and Tannenbaum essentially playing for their jobs at this point? Yeah, you know, I think it's possible. You know, after last year, you know, Rex earned himself a lot of goodwill with the two AFC title game appearances. Um, and he, I thought after last season, I was like, you know what, even if they missed the playoffs in 2012, I don't know if his job's on the line. But, you know, if you make a bold move, I'm not sure how that changes the opinions um, for him and for, for Tannenbaum. You know, if you make a bold move for Tebow and that blows up in your face, you saw what happened when they made the bold move for Favre in 2008, and then Mangini was out the door when they missed the playoffs. So, you know, before the Tebow move, they were a lot of people in the building kind of joked, our jobs depend on Sanchez and making it right with Sanchez and making it work with him. And now they've added a completely different problem. Now they're, you know, it's possible their jobs depend on balancing this delicate balancing act between Sanchez and Tebow, which is a very tough task to take on. Well, supposedly the problem was Brian Schottenheimer, and now he was shown the door, and now they bring in Tim Tebow. I just feel like you're not really solving the problem. You're just creating more problems. Yeah, and I mean, I can see where they're coming from. Well, first of all, I think, you know, you have to acknowledge the fact that Woody Johnson is still a businessman, and you know that. No, there's no doubt Tebow's good business. There's no doubt Tebow is good business, so you can't leave that out. From a football perspective, I can see... I could see some upside. You think you're bringing in a dynamic offensive weapon, but that's assuming that you're working in a vacuum and, right. you know, that you could just slip this guy in and out and that Sanchez will be fine with it. But, you know, in the New York market, this challenge becomes even more of a challenge. Under the scrutiny that's here, you know, what they've taken on is a much bigger... And especially uh, when the Giants when the have Giants just won their second winning, Super Bowl, yeah. right. <laughs> right. And, you know, Tom Coughlin, I saw this morning, said, you know, 
when you're developing a quarterback, you want him on the field. And I just thought that's such a – it just showed such a difference in philosophy between both sides of town. You know, you want Sanchez to develop, but then you say you're putting someone else to take the snap, you know, maybe 20 plays a game. Uh, I'd be very curious to know how his quarterback's coach feels about that. Um, obviously, Matt Kavanaugh is trying to develop Sanchez, and they're working together. And you wonder how that development is hampered when you have less snaps at a game and less snaps at practice. And certainly, Sanchez is a hard worker, and he said he'll volunteer to stay after practice if he needs to. But there's certain things that you just can't replace. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was, where I was going to go. Sanchez is in his fourth year. He's still developing. He's getting better. Tebow really didn't have an offseason last year to get better with the coaching staff because of the lockout, and his throwing motion, from what everyone says, needs changed. So how how do they get those reps, those much-needed reps in practice when you have essentially a 1 and a 1A starter? Yeah, and, you know, you're trying to do – I talked to Dan Henning, who kind of talked about when the Dolphins had the wildcat offense – they used it, maybe he said 11 or 12% of the t- their plays were Wildcat plays, um, you know, back when it made its debut. And he said the key is to kind of mixing a lot of concepts from your conventional offense and your Wildcat offense so you can kind of go from one to the other and make sure that the team practices both. But that's a different situation because certainly there they had running backs running the Wildcat, and here you're having another quarterback who also – you know, he also wants to develop as a quarterback, too. Uh, I, I don't know how there can be enough snaps to go around, especially with the new CBA and less practice time and less padded practices. I mean, I think that becomes a huge concern. And, you know, I, I'm sure we'll see Sanchez after practice, you know, with Mangold and maybe some of his receivers. But there's only so much you can replicate, you know, and after, the, after the main session ends. Who has a better season next year, the New York Jets or the Denver Broncos? Wow. Now that's really putting me on the spot. <laughs> that's what we do here. That's a great question. Don't feel pressure to answer. <sighs> yeah, I know. You know, I think I'm going to go with the Broncos. I'm just too, you know, I know there's a lot of questions on both areas, you know, on both teams. Um, I just, Their schedule is very that, tough, too, the Broncos. Yeah, that's true. I guess there's a lot of questions on how this is going to work with the Jets, and they had a lot of things to repair from last season. So at least at this point in time, before seeing OTAs and camp, it's, it's, it's hard for me to picture like how they can kind of come out of this and, and, and find a successful balance. I mean, I know they're up to the challenge, but uh, I, there's a lot of question marks right now. Awesome. Well, sure. you can follow Jenny on Twitter at Jenny Verentes, J-E-N-N-Y-V-R-E-N-T-A-S, and be sure to check out her excellent work at nj.com slash jets. Jenny, thanks a lot for joining us here on the Rich Eisen Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to take uh, have me on, guys. Hey, thanks, anything Jenny. for a fellow Penn Stater and, I- st- <laughs> and State College alum, correct? Yeah, got to slip that in, right? Thanks, uh, Chris. Absolutely. Thanks, Jenny. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Jenny Verentes, that was outstanding. Yeah, she's great. Uh, I posed a question to her at the end of our talk. Who's going to have a better season next year, the Denver Broncos and their new quarterback, Peyton Manning, or the New York Jets and their two-headed monster, Mark Sanchez and Tim Tebow? I posed a question to you, Chris Law. Who's going to have a better year, Broncos or Jets? I mean, it's, it's a tough question because, as she said, there's a lot of uh, chaos, if you will, in New York right now, but we still don't know that Peyton Manning will be ready come week one. I mean, we, all reports are... He's going to be there and playing, but we don't know that. Not to mention their schedule. We don't know the weeks of it yet because the schedule release is coming right. out. But 
It's insane. They, they have, have a division winner's schedule. They have they have the most. I think they have uh, one of the most difficult schedules next year in the league. So I'm going to actually flip it, and I'm going to go with the Jets. You really? Know, what's going on in Miami? They're they're a mess. Buffalo, they, who knows? Buffalo, yeah, exactly. And obviously the Patriots are always solid. They're going to be solid again next year. Look at what they're doing in free agency. They're loading but, um, up on offense, it seems like, which which would lead me to believe that they're going to go defense in the draft. But I'll say the Jets are either going to be 12-4 and four or 4-12. and 12. It's going to be <laughs> either a beautiful thing or a nightmare. I mean, that, that what about pre- you? What do you think? That pretty much sums it up. I think they're going to be right about the same. I think they're going to go 8-8, eight and eight, and I think that uh, Rex and Tannenbaum get fired and Sanchez gets traded in the offseason. Now, you think that or the Patriots? The Patriot in you <laughs> thinks that. The Patriots probably hope that happens because, yeah. I mean, that means the Patriots probably went 13-3 uh, and three well, again. Rich said it best, what, Belichick sitting back with a cigar right sitting now? Sitting back like Red Auerbach just watching and laughing. Same thing with the Giants and Tom Coughlin. Awesome. Well, uh, guys, for the three of you that decided to listen through the rest of this. To, Thank you very much. To hear Chris Brockman and I. Oh, uh, actually, I wanted to give a shout out. Someone hit me up on Twitter this week. Oh, at, at Chris underscore at Brockman. At Chris underscore Brockman. Please follow. Law and I are having a contest to see who can have the most followers. I think I'm winning right now. Uh, hit me up on Twitter. For our listeners across the great Atlantic in Ireland, what's up, guys? Thanks for listening. The O'Keefe brothers way out there. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. No, absolutely. We've actually gotten a lot of international feedback. A couple guys have mentioned to me because we post the best of Rich on that Peyton Palooza podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a mixed reaction because some people say, hey, why are you guys putting TV up in an audio? Like I can right. hear B-roll going on of footage and I can't see it. That doesn't help me. Our international friends, though, have all tweeted saying, they love it. thank you guys so much. We can't get NFL Network. This is great. I got Rich with some great interviews that I wouldn't have been able to get otherwise. So we're, we're kind of finding that balance. Uh, we're going to yeah, see what I've, we're going to do. Yeah, I've been monitoring, uh, you know, every once in a while I'll pick up a few followers a day or whatever, and I've been getting a lot of England and Ireland yeah, uh, no. people. So I appreciate you guys and, uh, you know, spread the love. And, uh, yeah, you can always follow me at Topher Law, T-O-P-H-E-R-L-A-W, at the Eisen Podcast is the official podcast handle of this podcast. And, of course, in case you didn't know, at Rich Eisen is our humble host. And if you want our audio guy, Mike Del Tufo, at NFL Mike, he, he's still in the mix. I don't know if you want to follow those tweets. Someone in the mix. I mean, he'll probably have you try to tune in to his DJ show on, on Friday nights. But It's a wild bunch we have here. But next week, Rich, the man himself, is back in the saddle. Uh, we have Ray Romano scheduled to come in. Outstanding. Uh, a few other guests as well, TBD. And then the following week, a couple of big names as well. So uh, for Chris Brockman, I'm Chris Loth. Thanks a lot for listening to this edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. All right, see you guys next week. Stay listening to 